All right, lads and lasses and good day, mates. Welcome to another episode of the Tuna Podcast, the Southern Hemisphere's number one podcast for all things Newcastle United. Coming at you from Australia, mate. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the um, not very good defeat to uh, Bournemouth. Get me teeth in there. Down on the south coast, uh, it was a 2-0 reverse. Uh, we'll also talk about the current injury situation, which is borderline ludicrous. And then we'll also touch on a little bit of drama, <laughs> probably about the only drama from Newcastle, which is right at the end when uh, Tripp starts having a bit of a go at one of the fans in the stands. Um, joining me today is Marky Mark. Uh, Mark, been a while since we saw you on the show, seen you on the show rather. Um, welcome back from your dose of my corona. Yeah, uh, it's been interesting. Were, um, <clears throat> not, were, not the souvenir you, I wanted to bring back from Melbourne, put it that way. <laughs> no, no, sure, sure. But you watched this game live. I actually stayed in bed because I'm too lazy. Uh, just uh, just give us an idea of how you felt after the final whistle went, if you managed to stay awake. I I will hold my hands up here, and I did not stay awake for the final whistle. Once, once the second <laughs> goal went in, I went back to bed. Um, there was there was right. that sort of game where there was there was not like a hope in hell we were ever getting back into the game. So why why bother losing that extra bit of sleep? Um, I, I wasn't really awake for the whole game anyway. I kind of got up in in body, but my mind was kind of a little bit spaced still. So yeah, not not the ideal thing to to wake you up when you see that sort of a performance. Um, and that result going the way it did was not ideal. So uh, yeah, um, probably didn't see the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of it. You probably missed like another twelve shots from Bournemouth and Nuckers. Yeah, and that's that's the way it was going. That's the way it was going. <laughs> probably bugger all from us. Uh, let's just get into it then. Let's have a look at the um, the Bournemouth team. Uh, Neto Aaron's Zabarn. Oh God, Zabarni. Zab that guy in number twenty-seven. Senesi, Kelly Cook Christie Clivert. Is that Patrick Clivert's kid? That is, yeah. Ah, there you go. Semenyo Solanke and Tavernier, who I assume is related to. James Devin, who used to play for us. It is, yes. Yep. Yeah, very good. Um, hard to know what to make of Bournemouth, isn't it? They're, they're, well, they were in the bottom three before this game, uh, struggling yeah. to score, conceding for fun. Um, but you've, you've always got to keep your eye on that number nine, Solanke, haven't you? He's, um, he's a fairly good player, Solanke. Uh, anybody else in this team, as well as him, that you thought, oh, hello? I was actually I was actually impressed with Clivert. I thought he did all right. Christie did okay in Semenyo, um, but I, Tavernia had a few shots on goal as well. I don't think that they're as bad as their position made them out to be pre-kickoff. Uh, I think they've been struggling, yes, but I think they're better than a lot of the other teams around them um, at the bottom there. And I think this shows you that on their day, they're still capable of putting a good performance together, even if, as we'll get into, no doubt, um, we were a long way short of our best uh, as well. Oh, God, were we not? Um, moving on to Newcastle. So I'll just quickly read through this first, and then we'll we'll move on to the injury situation, and then we'll come back to this. So it was Paul Poopy uh, in goal, uh, Trips, Lascelles, Shaw, and Hall. Then uh, Lewis Miley, who's the uh, poster boy for the lineup here, uh, Longstaff, Joel Linton, Almiron, Willock, and Gordon. So a bit of a shuffle of the cards there. Let's have a look at the reason for that. So the current absentees, this was a slide that was put up by Sky Sports, and it's like almost instantly out of date because we picked up yet another injury in this game. Yeah. Uh, so we have Callum Wilson, Javi Manjuelo, uh, Bruno, Isaac, Sven Botman, Elliot Anderson, Dan Byrne, Jacob Murphy, Harvey Barnes, Matt Target, Sandro Tonali, 
Uh, that's almost like a first eleven of um, some pretty decent players that Newcastle could that, really. That's not a bad out. side, is it? That's not a bad <laughs> side if you want to have a decent crack at the Premier League, is it? Uh, I could do with a keeper. Oh, I'm not going to lie, I could yeah. do with a keeper in there somewhere. But um, <laughs> but uh, that is that is, uh, and some of these are really long term as well. You know, you've got yeah. the likes of Dan Byrne, Murphy, Barnes, Target. I mean, to say nothing of Tenali, obviously, but these guys aren't due back until next year. Uh, and it's a pretty grueling Christmas schedule as well um, coming up. So there's a little bit of light, possibly, with the likes of Isaac. He might come in after this uh, this break. Uh, the one that's not on this slide that we picked up in this game was Mig, uh, Miggy. Uh, we'll get to him in a, in a little while. Um, Callum Wilson was an omission in this game. and There was a, a bit of a suggestion that he might make it in this game. But just looking at the Newcastle team of Pope Trips, Lascelles, Shaw, Hall, Miley, Longstaff, Joe Linton, Almiron, Willock, and Gordon. And, and the bench as well. To say nothing of the bench, the bench has got like three under-21s on it. Um, keepers. And, and two keepers. It, it's basically the barest of bare bones. Like, we have been nibbled down to the marrow right now, like, haven't we? I mean, this this team is knackered right now. Um, what did you? Yeah. Uh, what was your thoughts when you saw this lineup? So, there's, there's two sides to this that I want to try and point out. The first is that side that went out, like the starting 11, I don't think it's that bad. And I think on paper, you would think at their best probably would have given Bournemouth a lot better game than what they did. I think the fact that the bench is what it is um, and we're, we're down to such bare bones squad material now, there's no, there's no options on there. You've got players like Miggy who was scheduled in to have a break, who was scheduled in to have a game off and lasted all of two minutes on the bench before having to come back on and play because of another injury that came off, came about. So he never got his break. And, and I just think that these players have put so much effort in and they've played so many high-intensity games. Um, if you think about it, we've basically had uh, two Dortmund games in the Champions Leagues uh, with with the Man United um, game in the Cup, with an Arsenal game, and every single time we finish a Champions League game, we seem to always have an away game. So we're always <laughs> travelling after we come back from Europe. And it's like, it just seems like it's, it's obviously caught up with the players because they did not look anywhere near what we're used to from Newcastle. They looked jaded. And it looked to me like they that team was just holy crap, just let's get over the line here. The, the international break's around the corner. Let's just get over this game and then we can have a break and and, and recharge the batteries because, yeah, for all for all, all the quality in the world that looks like it's on paper there, it, it just did not shine through in that game. But, I mean, you look at this and you've got an under-21 in Hall at left-back. You've got under-12 <laughs> almost and Lewis Miley in the middle uh, with very little experience. You've got no recognised striker no. I mean, it's, it's, and then you look at the bench and you've got Dubravka and Gillespie on there and you've got, just to try and make up numbers, you've got two keepers, you've got Dummett, Richie yeah. and Kraft. I'm actually quite surprised. I mean, I, I I thought Hall would probably play midfield where perhaps Miley picked up his, his game this, in this one. And I would have thought he would have started um, perhaps trips on the left and Tino at right. Because yeah. Tino, when he came on the last couple of games, he's been absolutely sensational. He's looked great, yeah. And I was surprised to see him not starting. But then you've also got the likes of Kraft, who did very well when he came on in that game recently. Uh, even Richie, with all his experience. But but for some reason, what do you think? Why do you think it is that Eddie Howe decided to go with the likes of Hall at left back, who 
always seems to get subbed at half time when he's in that position. It's 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 like a yeah. Is he just trying to get forty five minutes out of Hall so that someone else can have forty five minutes rest? I mean, what you know, what, what do you think? I, 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 I was a little bit puzzled by that because the last twice that Hall's been hauled off at half time. I don't know whether that's like a tactical substitution. I don't know whether it's just this let's ease him in and only give him a half of football. But you've got to be thinking like that's got to be starting to dent his confidence if he's not being able to see out a whole game. Um, if if the, if it is a tactical substitution where you know, oh look, he's he's getting beaten down the down the wing there. It's like we need to get him off and change something about. You know, that's that's not going to do his confidence long term any good at all. But you, you look at the, the big thing for me is midfield. Um, I, I will also point out that we were in the green Saudi kit, which oh. is never a good thing to see anyway. So as soon as that's that's announced, then you're kind of on, on the back foot already. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we've, we've yet, to, like, apart from when we first started, I think I've, I've seen we haven't won a game where Bruno hasn't started. So it does beg the question that is the likes of Longstaff and Joe Linton and all these players who we've, we've, we've seen a so-called resurgence from, um, they, they, they've been key members of this squad for a long time now. Is it just that Bruno's pulling them all up? Is he doing the heavy lifting in midfield to allow them, you know, not to be under as much pressure or to know their jobs because he's telling them what to do, where to go and, 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 like he's now pulling the strings and then as soon as he's not there they just looked lost but the the whole midfield apart from Miley who who seemed pretty pretty sure on the ball seemed really composed and I think we've got a cracking player there uh but again I, I don't know why he was subbed off unless it was literally just he didn't have the legs for it at this moment but yeah, very, very strange call on, on a lot of those players that were in there. But as you said, it's like you've got no options. It's like Almiron goes off injured and then it's like you look at the bench and you go, well, what, what's going on there? Who, who are you bringing on to actually make a difference when Bournemouth at that point were just running riot? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's <clears throat> it's very difficult for Eddie Howe to do anything right at this point with, with all these injuries. So you can understand. Maybe you just thought, you know what, I'll give it a roll of the dice if we lose this game. Well, no, Eddie Howard never thinks that, does he? He doesn't. No. He's not the kind of manager who thinks, I don't care if I lose this game. No, no. no. I was going to say... If he was going to do that, he would have done it in the cup, let's be fair. <laughs> no, absolutely, yeah. That's, yeah, I was about to make a nonsense there. Um, look, anyway, it's it's a it's a bare-bones squad right now. Very, very difficult to uh, to see the quality in that first eleven, And it, it really showed pretty much the entirety of this first half. I mean, there were one or two little flashes from Newcastle. There was... Um, well... <laughs> I was going to say there was there was that shot from Longy. I think it was inside the first yeah. ten minutes that he stung the palms of uh, of the Bournemouth keeper. That was and, a good shot. That was a good shot. It was. And on another day, that probably would would have went in. You know, and and these are the kind of fine margins that make a difference in the Premier League. But I'm struggling to think of anything else that we actually did all right in this first half. I mean, to be honest, Nick Pope was busier than probably half the bloody outfield players he was he was making some actually some really sensational he, stops he kept us in the game at nil nil for a long time and um, far longer than our performance probably deserved to be fair how tired did did we look and do you think it was physical from all the minutes do you think there was a lot of mental fatigue involved as well with the way we were going was it just like Bournemouth were to for, for, Bournemouth saw the lineup and thought, you know what, we might as well just run at these guys and give it a shot because they've been playing the game every, every three or four days. 
They're already knackered. We can see they've had a lot of effort against Arsenal. They've tried and got beaten by Dortmund. I reckon we just throw the dice and chuck everything out in Newcastle and see what we can get to Creek. Do you think that's what it was? Or were we just literally knackered in this game? I think it's probably a mix of all of them. I think if you're Bournemouth, I think you're at home. It's a game that you have to try and win. Uh, and, and you're looking at a very weakened Newcastle side with loads of injuries who have just travelled back from Germany um, to another away game. So they clearly haven't been training properly. They haven't had that rest. Uh, and, and, you know, you're going to throw you throw the dice, roll the dice, throw everything at them, see how things go. Um, they looked more up to the up for the game than we did. Certainly, they had a lot more energy about them. Um, they they attacked us from the from minute one in the game, mm. uh, and and they they basically just had almost like a shoot on site policy or at least a run on run on site policy at our at our backline. So it was it was disappointing from our point of view because we did look well off the pace. Whether or not that that was as you said it was mental whether or not it was physical i think it's probably a mix of all of them to be honest i think we we just did not look up for the game and i think it was i think eddie said it was like you know it's that one game too far um i think we've we've put everything into the champions league games the cup games the league games up leading up to this point and i think the the injuries that we've had um just kind of just took their toll and i, I just don't think we had anything left in the tank yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, well, look, I mean, it, it was on the half hour when uh, Miggy picks up his injury. It was still nil-nil somehow at this point. Um, <clears throat> this came on the back of, a, of a, a decent run into the box where it looked like uh, Kelly, the defender, was trying to take his shirt off practically from the stands. Like, it, it, those shirts stretch. Like, it was, you know, it was like a four-man length of bloody shirt getting stretched and pulled inside the boxes. Miggy tried to round them. Uh, and then he actually goes down with an injury to what looked like his hamstring at the time. Um, I've seen online through Paraguay national team um, via our guest that we had on Miggy's mate, uh, Roja. Roberto. Roberto, yeah. Roberto uh, he's... He was reporting that the Paraguay national team had put out a statement saying that it was a grade one biceps femoris muscle injury, which perhaps isn't pronounced right, um, on the right hamstring. Now, when I first read this, because I know absolutely nothing about medical stuff, I saw grade one and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. But actually, when I looked it up, no, it's grade best, one is, the best is a minor. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. It goes up to you know, grade three or something. So grade one was is minor. Um, it could be as little as two to three days. It could be as much as two to three weeks. Thankfully, there's a international break now, so you'd imagine he's going to withdraw from, in fact, he has withdrawn from the World Cup mm -hmm. squad now for Paraguay. He will get those two weeks to fully recover. Um, first of all, on that penalty shout, do you reckon that was a penalty? Yeah, all day. You can't grab someone's shirt like that. And for, for VAR not even to take a look at it, uh, I mean, we were so awful that I'm not going to sit here and, and complain about penalty decisions going against us and that's robbed us of the game. At nil-nil, you've got to think that if we did score first, then there is that possibility that their heads drop because they have given it so much in that first period of the game. But, you know... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and complain. It's, it's a stonewall penalty. It should be given. We saw it in the Man City-Chelsea game that the same, pretty much the exact same thing happened. That was given. Um, for it not to be looked at by VAR, I think, is another massive oversight of the 
of the refereeing in this in this league at the moment, um, which is coming under increasing scrutiny. Um, obviously, we, we're well aware that it, it's taken a, an Arsenal decision that was borderline um, that they didn't agree with uh, for Arteta to throw his toys out the pram and, and cause all sorts of havoc. But, you know, the refereeing has been pretty appalling this season. Um, to me... You know, the, when you're not playing well, you need those decisions to go your way as well, and and that's that's just how it is. I was going to ask you if you thought that the outburst from Arteta might be influencing those in charge of VAR, the referees, to kind of want to just avoid another potential, you know, headline in the newspapers. Do you think there's it's human nature? I've done. I've done. Oh, maybe, but. I think it's one of those things where shirt pulls are not given anywhere near as much as what they probably should be. You see it in every game. There's there's so much shirt pulling. There's so many grapples in the box. There's so much like little just just to just to put that player off their stride or whatever. And and none of them are given. There's like very very rarely do those sorts of things get given. It was a blatant, a blatant obvious. Uh, um, example of that happening yes but it, it is something that i think does get overlooked far too much um and i think with players like miggy it doesn't you, he's he's not exactly sort of like a heavyweight and, and he's, he's kind of moving at pace he's always going to be put off the ball pretty easily so like even just a slight little knock or a slight little sort of nudge in one direction it's probably going to put him off his stride enough uh, let alone yeah trying to swap shirts before halftime and then, of course, as we say, Miggy gets an injury. So it kind of makes you wonder, he's straining and stretching to kind of get around Kelly. Mm -hmm. Kelly is pulling him back. That's putting extra load perhaps on, on the hamstring area of the legs. I'm, like I say, I'm very far from being a doctor here. Um, but it kind of think, it, makes, it makes you wonder, has that fed into what is now an injury yeah. for like a, a net total of zero for Newcastle? Like if you've got a penalty and got the lead, you can go, well, at least we've got something from that. But yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's a, it's a good point that. actually. I hadn't actually really thought of that as as a as a potential cause for his injury. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's like if he's if he's straining more because he's being pulled back, then it's going to put more strength more strain on the muscles and, and 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 tendons and could could actually cause those things. So that's actually not a bad point. Thank you very much. All right. Well, look, we get to um, <laughs> we get to the second half. It's nil nil somehow. <laughs> Miraculously nil-nil at halftime. Uh, as we've said in the second half, Tino uh, comes on for Lewis Hall. I believe he initially started in the same position, but then halfway through the second half, he swaps over with yeah. Trippier. Um, Trips has a back pass moment where he gives everyone the shits, where he back, back passes it and Slinky um, runs onto it and probably should have done better in that moment. Um, followed by a free kick from Trips that almost catched everybody out. Uh, but unfortunately, Willock was unable to follow up and tap it into uh, into the goal. And then on the 60th minute, um, it's I think you can you can only describe this as a pretty unfortunate deflection from Willock as he's trying to, I believe it was Willock, trying to Lascelles. Uh, defend Lascelles. Sorry, Lascelles, as Thanks, he's trying sir. to defend. Um, and uh, he, he essentially feeds in Solanke, who um, I actually think that was a really good finish. Near post, he sort of yeah. belted in. Um, really good finish. Do you think that was tired, just tiredness defending there? Because it, it seemed quite a. I mean, you could argue it was a ricochet. I'm not sure what it feels a bit more like. It, like if he was a little bit more sharp and on edge and, and, and alert, he might have done a little bit better there. Um, 
I think if you're being hypercritical, maybe you could say he should have been a little bit more on his toes and maybe he was on his back heel a little bit and just stuck the leg out at the last minute. But look, I think that's being a bit overly, overly unfair. I think we've seen those things happen before and, and, you know, it's, he's done the right thing. He's made an interception with the ball and it's just happened to ricochet out directly into the path of Solanke and it's, it's weighted perfectly for him. It's almost like, (laughs) um, that, that ball off Botman's ass for, for Nunez's first, when we played Liverpool, it's like, could have gone anywhere, but literally fell directly into his path for him to run onto goal with. And same thing happened here. Cracking finish, as you said, not going to take away from him for that, but but it was a little bit fortuitous in the build-up, I'd say. Could, should Nick Paul be doing better there? It's hard to know at that point. It's like the ball's come at him with a lot of pace. He's he's probably been more central than he needed to be, um, but he's playing for, you know, the build-up play almost, and the ball was ricocheted off and passed him before he probably had time to to really figure out what was going on. And given how many saved he'd, saves he'd already pulled off in that game up until that point, find, <laughs> yeah. it, find it a little bit harsh having a go at him for, <laughs> for not keep, not doing the right thing on that one. Yeah, you shit, Nick Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but keepers always say, you know, they're, they're always devastated <laughs> if they get beaten at the near post. It's something that they should never happen. But of course, I mean, reality is completely different, isn't it? It happens quite yeah. often. Uh, well, in between that goal and Slanky getting his next one, uh, Gordon has a shot at Neto, which he just basically kicks down his throat um, after good work from Tino. And then it is the second goal, which pretty much just kills off the entire game. Uh, Slanky again, 73 minutes. It's like a... It deflects off the post, doesn't it? I actually thought initially yeah. it was a Nick Pop save, but it deflects off the post. And he's sort of in between two of our defenders and kind of just almost bundles it into the goal. Um, I think it came off again, one of our defenders first, though. That's the thing as well. Again, it's another one of those could have gone anywhere. Right. So, but yeah, so was that another instance of tired defending where Solanke is just that much sharper and ready to get on scraps? And, just, and, just and our defenders lucky. are so bloody knackered that they're just, they're, you know, they're, they're not that sharp. Look, realistically, we weren't sharp for the entire game, so that's definitely playing into a lot of the a lot of the stuff that went on in this game. Um, I just think it's like you know we we didn't clear the ball well enough. I think that's probably our first set piece goal that we've conceded for a long time um, mm. in the league, anyway. And then, look, I mean, it's it's come back off the post. It could have literally gone anywhere. If it goes a little bit to one side, the defender probably turns and clears it. It kind of came straight at the defender, bounces off him. Solanke's right, literally right there, ready to put it in the net. So, again, it's it's probably just one of those games where we weren't we were nowhere near our best. Bournemouth were throwing everything at us, and they got the rub of the green today. And you know, we'll we'll take that on the chin. I think. Given given how lackluster we were, I, I find it hard to kind of sit here and be too... Well, I'm disappointed with the game, but I'm not... I, I know why. It's not like we played well and we had bad decisions go our way or we got absolutely trounced by the opposition. We just weren't weren't anywhere near our best. And <clears throat> if you think about it as well, what one thing that I was was actually looking at We've got Joe Linton, who's had a few little injuries, niggly bits this season. Longstaff's probably long past running on on fumes. His, his tank has got to be an empty a few games ago because he's played that many games and run that many miles in, in each game. Um, you've got Willock, who's literally just coming back from injury, a really long-term injury. And we've basically had to throw him in the deep end, expecting him to hit the ground running straight away. He's had no kind of like bed-in time to kind of get himself up to speed and get him himself into some form before he's now 
right, well, you're starting games because that's all we've yeah. got. <laughs> Um, yeah, exactly. So it's yeah, not yeah. it's it's far from ideal um, when when you look well, at that. And this is the point that Eddie Howe raises himself. You know, you lose a man, then you don't have time to get the other person ready to come into it. And the, the sort of it's just so quick the chop and change with the injuries that you kind of almost invite extra injuries because of the way that you aren't preparing the guys to come on. You know, over yeah. over a series of games, over a series of time. And look, you see, well, we I, get well, I, I said on? that on the on the on the group chat is. What what in terms of the injuries, you cannot lay any blame at training methods or any or, or the intensity of games or whatever. It's literally lack of rotation, too many games, too much travel. And I wonder how much the travel is playing a part in it, where you know we don't have those days off in between games at the moment because we're either traveling or we're we're playing a game. So I mean, Eddie Howe literally said it's like the reason he brought Bruno and Wilson and all those on against Man United when we were pretty comfortably in the lead was because it's like, well, we, we don't get a chance to train. So we'll, we'll use this to like get some get some minutes in their legs. You know, yeah. that was telling for me. So maybe the injuries are happening now. Um, certainly, we pre like, you know, previously in the season, I think we've been unlucky with a lot of injuries. It hasn't been um, kind of like, you know, workload related injuries it's been like we've had a bone injury for harvey barnes and his foot out of nowhere we've had a stress fracture in um elliot anderson's back we've we, you know botman's done a bit of a foot slash ankle then it's apparently a knee injury and isak's had a recurrence of his groin injury that he already Dan had with his back. Yep. Dan burn has an awkward fall so it's it's the, I mean, like you know murphy dislocates a shoulder so it's not like oh. it's all soft tissue injuries we are getting them now and I wonder if that's literally too many minutes in the legs because we can't rotate and not enough actual um, sort of fitness regimen that's in the players because we just don't have that time to really to do that prep work, to do that fitness training properly. No, that's absolutely right. And, you know, you're saying about us and the games we're playing, but don't forget there's also the internationals as well. So that includes mm. long-haul flights for these guys as well, uh, different training methods when they get there different surfaces and all that kind of stuff so it's just piles on top of top murphy shouldn't have came back when he did but we we, no. we needed a body on the pitch and it takes almost an innocuous shoulder channel challenge for him to end up being set back three months now had he, had he had the chance to recover for another two weeks might have been fine who knows you know and it it's a breaking point it's it, 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 perhaps it's beyond breaking point really i mean we've almost got a full 11 of first teamers yeah. out with injury yeah. uh, it's 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 and it's the core players as well it's it's not just sort of oh yeah fringe players and we're losing the bench depth you know you you look at like you've got botman at the back you know we we have songs about it bruno in the middle bottom at the back he's like an attack and it's like that is the spine of our team at the moment and all of them are injured you've also then got elliot anderson who's been great dan burn at the back jacob murphy's been on fire harvey barnes was meant to be that winger depth piece or that you know that different attacking option for us you've got um you know tonali's out for god knows how long well, until august um for a betting scandal that we had no way of knowing when we bought him you know <laughs> maddie target does a hamstring out of nowhere trying to stretch yeah. for a ball it was like within the yeah. first two minutes of the game you know we're, we're like we're missing all these players that are the they're not just depth. They're not just giving us that that option off the bench. They're they're first team regular starters that are so vital for us to be competing at that top level. So yeah, we've just had this horrendous run and, and completely bad luck. 
uh, and everything, given the the difficult start that we've had. I mean, you know, we've had Man City and Man United in the cup. We've got Chelsea next. We've got, um, we had like the, on paper, the, the hardest start to the Premier League season. We've got the group yeah. of death in the Champions League. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure we could have really had much of a, a tougher start to the season. And then to have all these injuries on top of that. Yeah, it's just... Um, and you gotta wonder, wonder which which uh, um, which curse we've been we've been put on by the <laughs> by the Mackums down the road. Yeah, and somehow we're seventh. I mean, it, it's it's yeah. it's it's incredible, isn't it? It, it, it? When you look at it like that, it's just absolutely incredible. But look, getting back to the game, just so we'll finish it off. We're, we're actually almost finished anyway. You said we didn't get trounced, and that was by and large thanks to Nick Pope, who kept us in the game yeah. at great stretches, even after the second. Goal went in. He is still making incredible saves to, um, like the fingertip save he did at one point, to keep the score respectable. I don't think two nil is 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 a terrible scoreline given everything that we've just discussed. Yeah. Had it been five or six, you'd be thinking, Jesus, what the hell's going on here? Um, but look, it, we, we get to full time anyway. It's two nil. Uh, it's Newcastle's first defeat in eight Premier League games. So you know we've been going pretty well. Let's be honest. Um, if you want some good news, Longy is still one yellow card away from a ban. So, you know, it would have been peak Newcastle had he got banned in this game as well for the next one. So that would have been... Well, I think I think everyone during the game when he went down, uh, everyone thought he was going off injured as well. Um, you could see he, he went down hard. Um, he was getting treatment on the pitch. He looked really disappointed. And Eddie Howe, it's the first time I've ever seen him look completely, completely dejected. You know, he, he was basically like puffing and panting and storming up and down and talking to mad dog and you could see he was just like what the hell now like why now well another one like how is this happening to us um and in um hopefully longstaff's come through that okay and, and we're not suffering yet another injury on that on that list so yeah yeah, yeah absolutely small, small mercies gonna, on that one i was going to touch on that because there hasn't been any announcement as far as i'm aware from the from the club just yet um yeah. But who knows? Um, probably best to just keep the uh, keep stum on that one and uh, not not give too much away. Um, so, but at least he is still that one yellow card away, so we get to see him for another game if he's fit. Um, in his post match interview, Eddie Eddie Howe said, "Yeah, I will re review that game when I get a chance." But honestly, I've got no idea where to start. It was like such a such a disappointing game, well below our standards. We looked physically fatigued, and I, and I would posit that we actually are mentally. Uh, fatigued as well and uh, we'll touch on that a little bit more in a moment uh, let's have a look at some stats for you know shits and giggles uh it was uh surprisingly 52 percent possession to newcastle to bournemouth's 48 so basically 50 50 uh they had 19 shots with 10 on target to our eight shots with five on target which kind of gives you an idea of the dominance uh that they had in this game six corners to five and they committed 10 fouls to our four, uh, one of those could perhaps have been a penalty on a different day, but nobody likes Newcastle right now, so we've got nothing. Um, <laughs> can't argue about some of the luck we've had, though. Bloody hell. Uh, I will add an extra stat to this. Our Bobby is trying to uh, come up with a, a, an additional stat, something that goes along the lines of XG, which he doesn't like very much. Um, XG wankers, we call them. Uh, he's come up with an XD, which is expected dominance, which takes into account uh, shots on target, but also possession in the attack in third so it kind of gives a at least he hopes uh, a fairer reflection of, of which team had most of the possession most of the dominance uh in the game and in this one bournemouth had 5.33 to newcastle's 2.88 so twice as good as newcastle 
probably is borne out in the results and, and some of those stats as well. So you never know. Bobby might be onto something. Could soon be a millionaire selling these stats. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cool, you can sponsor you can sponsor the pod. You can get your fingers in your pockets there, Bobby. Um table. Uh Man City at top, um, despite that 4-4 with Chelsea, which was um, quite an incredible game. Uh, Liverpool in second. So City on 28, Liverpool on 27, Arsenal on 27. Spurs have slipped down a bit, down to 26, following their defeat uh, in the dying minutes of the game against Wolves. Villa doing very well in fifth in 25 points. Uh, Man United have crept above us now with a 1-0 over Luton. They are in sixth place on 21 points with a minus three goal difference. And uh, the Mighty Mags in seventh place, dropping down one in uh, with, sorry, 20 points. Then we've got Brighton breathing down our necks on 19. West Ham on 17, and then Chelsea sneaking into the top 10. Look at them go on 16 points. Little old Chelsea in the top 10. Um, as we said just before there, seventh place is pretty damn respectable. 14 goals difference plus in our favour. Uh, six wins, two defeats, four losses. All the injuries in the world. Um, it's still pretty... It's not bad, is it? It's, it's still a pretty good start of the season. It's probably on par with last season, really. Look, I think if you're the if you're the manager and you can look at that table and show the players, look, despite everything, um, tougher. You know, we've we've just been through it. Toughest start to the the Premier League campaign. We've we've had tough draws in the cup. We've had the group of death in the Champions League, and you're kind of looking at that table, going, despite everything, had we hold, held on and got a probably a deserved win against Liverpool, we'd be like one game behind Spurs, who are apparently absolutely awesome and Ange deserves the key to London <laughs> City um oh, God. and and so you know to to be to be in the mix and to be leading kind of like that chasing pack and in amongst that chasing pack with Man United and uh and Brighton and West Ham we're still in the shout for a top six top seven position um get Europa League or whatever we get from that but you know we've got loads of players to come back. So you're kind of hoping that we maintain our position and we kind of hover about where we are. And then once we, these players start to come back from injuries, then we can actually start to make a bit of a bit of a challenge in the new year um, and start moving up that table, getting some extra results on the board. Yeah, well, look, I mean, our next game in the league will be Chelsea at home. So thankfully no travel there. Um, on the 25th of November, um, there's going to be 10 games in all competitions in five and a half weeks up to and including Boxing Day. And some of those big players that we've mentioned don't come back until next year. So, and we're not accounting for any reoccurrences, which seem to be the bane of our existence right now. It is going to be an almighty effort to, um, to get, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be incredibly impressed if we maintain this sort of five, six, seventh, eighth position. Yeah. In fact, bloody hell, top top half would still be a hell of an effort given the given the ridiculous situation that we find ourselves in. Uh, we'll have to see how that goes for ten games in five and a half weeks. Oi, that's uh, you know that's 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 tough on any team. One thing, one thing I'll mention, and I saw someone on on uh, on Twitter, um, Twix X, whatever you want to call it these days. They were they were criticizing Eddie Howe in terms of his um, tactical choices and his formation and how he was still expecting all the new players to come in and play the same type of football um 
I'm not convinced that it necessarily makes sense to completely overhaul things. I think everyone's trained in that system. Um, I think, yes, there's potentially areas where we may need to kind of make some compromises just because we don't have that personnel that can play a particular type of, of, of role in that formation. Fair enough. But What's your thoughts in terms of the of the tactics that we probably need to look at going forward? I know I've just hijacked your uh, hosting here, um, <laughs> but it's, it's something that's been bugging me because, like, the, there's obviously always a lot of fallout, and we'll we'll get onto that in a minute in terms of like social media and and people and fans going completely overboard with the criticisms in terms of players, managers, club, whatever. But is there is there a a good mm. reasoning to change the formation and how we play to just try and get through these next few games. Make sure we just don't try and not lose games as opposed to going out and winning games like we normally do. I mean, can you just change the formation and tactics like that? Unless you've been practicing, as you say, there, unless you've been training for a different formation behind the scenes on the training ground, then. You can't just click your fingers and change the formation, move personnel around probably as well into positions that they're not familiar with and then expect to somehow yeah. do better than what we're doing right now. Uh, I mean, Ange himself, um, who was doing very well with Spurs, I'll have you know, uh, he said, you know, we'll keep playing the same way regardless of, of, of what the state of the game is um, whilst I'm here. Now, I actually think that's fairly naive and I think it's pretty unlikely. And, and in fact, if you watch that Wolves game, they didn't have a high line at all because they didn't have a chance. Wolves were just all over them all the time and stealing the ball and getting turnovers and they were pushed right back. So, you know, the, the reality is that when it comes to formations, 4-3-3 has been our way for, well, since ADL came in more or less. I mean, you know, there was a bit of time to get into that sort of formation after a few weeks or whatever when he came in initially, but that's been our staple since then. Um, I cannot, unless we have been training and, and you know, I've, Maybe we have, I don't know. But unless we can change formation with the personnel that we've got, don't forget, we don't have all of the brilliant players that we should have. Yeah. We are down to scraps here. Now, as long as you can change formation and play in a way that, um, I don't know, protects legs. But, I mean, how are you going to do that? That has to basically be five at the back, hitting on the break. Um, you know, it's, it, is that going to get us anything? We're, we're terrible at doing that anyway in normal circumstances with all of the good players that we have, yeah. let alone, let alone you know, 321s and, and whatever else. So, no, I, I, I think Eddie Howe will have to stick with these 433. Um, it's tried, it's true. Um, all the people who come into this team on the back of injuries are trained in the same um, system. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying that maybe in game he can tweak things here or there, but wholesale changes i can't see it happening no i uh, i totally agree and i just i just wanted to raise it because it, it is something that kind of bugged me a little bit where look the whole the whole club are training you know eddie's bringing in youngsters from the academy to train with the seniors and they're not going to be training oh well hang on if we need you we're going to have this have this new formation they're all training to play the same type of football high intensity games you know pressing you know the triangles and all that sort of stuff that we know eddie how likes to do they're all familiar with that. And so it is, yes, there's probably a potential to maybe struggle because you don't have that person to play a particular role in that in that formation. And that maybe end up being the weak link. But, you know, for to me, it makes a lot more sense than just sitting back 
expecting to soak up pressure for for 90 minutes every game until you get some players back because then there's also the issue of when those players get back you've now got to switch everything back around and expect it to click straight away as well so you know it's like it's one yeah. game we, we were tired we were out of it we're, the, the the legs were legs were jelly um let's let's not sort of Let's not wet our pants just yet and, and start making uh, all these extra demands of, of changing formation and personnel because, you know, it's one game and we, just, we, we beat Arsenal in the last Premier League game. So let's let's not forget that. Yeah, well, I'll get on to uh, said pant wetting in a moment uh, because there was a little bit of that. But uh, uh, I would ask you for the amount of the match, but it was Nick Pope, so I'm not going to bother. Uh, and then <laughs> yes, let's, so let's just... <laughs> so let's just talk about injuries. So the international break has come. I actually hate international breaks. I bloody hate them. Uh, but blood, but I, this might be the best timed international break that we've ever had. Um, and I probably won't be saying that uh, for the last time this season either. Uh, we really need the time off. The problem is that we have players going away still, players who we could do without not going away. So, I mean, with the exclusion of, of Wilson, who's had to withdraw, and apparently he's out for a few more weeks, called Eddie Howe. And of course, Miggy um, with his uh, hammy. Um, we have Fab Shaw going away to Switzerland ahead of three games in seven days. I mean, we can do without. Uh, that's not yeah. to say Shaw's going to play those games, but like, what if he's not going to play two of those games? Why the hell is he going there at all? Yeah. Um, could do without. Could really do without Kieran Trippier going. We'll get on to him in a second because I think he's starting to mentally stress a little bit, or strain a little bit with under the, under the load here. Um, Bruno and Big Joe are flying off to bloody South America for a couple of games over there. Long haul flights again, what we've already yeah. touched on. Um, assuming they play in those two games, could really do without that. Thank you very much. Um, and then that's not even mentioned in the likes of Dubravka, Kraft, even Hall and Tino are going away on internationals on under 21s and under 23s. So it's, I mean, Thankfully, Gordon didn't get called up by Knacker in charge of England. Um, because as I saw him take a bit of a knock in this game early on, and he sort of hobbled for a little bit, and I was thinking, ah, Jesus Christ, we could do without Gordon getting something here. And then, as you've already mentioned as well, at the end, uh, it looked like Longy might have twisted his ankle or something when he took that shot uh, at the yeah. end. And and um, he kind of hobbled over the line, didn't he? He was just absolutely goosed, and he looked like he's picked something up. So... I think this could not be a better timed uh, international break. What? How? How? How are the like of how the likes of Trips and Big Joe, perhaps, and maybe Bruno? He's had a bit of a rest. But how are these guys and Shaw in particular? How are they going to get through this two-week period and then come back and be expected to go straight back into the four-three-three with the high press and all that kind of stuff? Mark, what the? How the hell we're we going to manage this? Firstly, Gareth Southgate's a knacker. Um, as much as I didn't want Gordon to go, and it is a blessing in disguise, how the hell he's not getting called up when those two Chelsea kids have, have just been called up is beyond me. Um, I'm not sure what else he has to do to kind of prove himself to, to that he can play at that standard. Um, and I know you keep saying you don't like players playing for their countries because they always come back injured, and that's fair enough. But Not mid-season. Mid just yeah, mid-season. I, yeah. I don't care if it's a it's, close season necessarily, but it's, mid-season. It's one of those things to me where you've got to kind of, if you want those players, you want players to be getting selected for their countries playing for you because then there's no excuse of, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to go to a Manchester United and sit on the bench because I know I'm going to get a better chance of representing my country. Um, yeah. or, or I'm going to, yeah. So to me, it, it is like that part, part and parcel of like we're, we're trying to aspire to a certain level. You want your players to be getting picked because it then... You know, it reassures them that they're making the right choice and it makes it 
a better proposition for newer players that you're trying to attract as well. The um, the players that are going away though, yeah, it, it's Trippier especially for me is one of the big problems where he is he is one of the ones that is looking like he's running on empty. He's he's obviously shouldering a lot of the um, a lot of the leadership role in that team at the moment even though Lascelles is the captain and he has the armband Trippier is definitely the captain in um in sort of like his, his actions anyway and you can see what it means to him and he's trying to pull everyone in the right direction um he probably needs a, a bit of a rest out of the team to be honest but you know again who else are you going to play uh, you want him around, in and around. You definitely don't want him injured. So yeah, going away, playing playing for England, which you know he's probably going to get some game time. Um, you you just yeah, cross your fingers, hope that he comes back, hope that he gets enough rest and he doesn't kind of um, doesn't tire himself out anymore. Maybe maybe mentally it's a good thing. Um, you know, Bruno. He's had a week. He's had a, a rest because he's had, had his suspension. So maybe that's not a bad thing for him. Um, maybe Joe Linton needs the extra games because he has been out. Maybe it's good for him to, I'm trying to look for, look for some silver linings here. Sure. Um, yeah. The players that are going away, maybe it's that mental reset because they're not thinking about Newcastle and what's to do. They can take their minds off that for a bit and give themselves a little bit of a recharge on, on other things while they're still maintaining fitness. Um, but the, the break itself, couldn't come at a better time for some of the players we have injured and some of the players that we desperately need to rest. I mean, you say that they're going to, they, they could reset themselves and it, it's actually a really good point. I hadn't thought of, you know, change to the four walls kind of thing where you go and have a different environment and yeah. different players that you see and you have a different kind of mentality. But uh, Trips did say in his <laughs> post match that, did say this post match that it would actually be playing on his mind and he would be thinking about it. How much of that yeah. affects him, how much he's able to get over it, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but, yeah, everybody out there, cross your fingers, cross your toes, cross everything else that can be crossed, uh, and let's just hope that people come back uh, in one piece. Eddie Howe himself was practically praying to the gods high above in his post-match, just hoping that he doesn't have any new injuries to worry about yeah. when they get back, because, you know, it doesn't get any easier. We've got, what was it, what did I say it was next? Chelsea. So we've got Chelsea yeah. next, so that, and they've just drawn 4-4 with Man City, so it's not going to be an easy game by any stretch. Uh, Pochettino's definitely starting to turn them around a bit. You can see they're, they're starting to play a bit better football. They've got um, too much quality. They've, they've got yeah. too many quality players in that team. That, to not that's have a bit it. of a worry for me. That's a bit of a worry. Yeah, absolutely, and then we've got them in a couple of calls as well. Um, yep. All right, look, let's get to uh, the final point, because uh, we're running out of time here. The elephant in the room that we've alluded to a few times now. Uh, according to one fan in the away section, uh, it was this this performance that we've just discussed was a disgrace. I believe was the word that was used. I haven't actually seen or heard exactly what was said, but I believe it was. He said it was a, a disgrace as um, as I think the team was going around and clapping the the, the clapping away fans before they went down the yeah. tunnel. In fact, I believe Trips pulled them out of the tunnel and told them to go and clap to the fans because the, the players just wanted to get off the pitch. Um, yeah. And then we've all seen the pitches. Uh, we've all seen the vision. Trips is like. What do you mean? You seen how many injuries we got? Hey, 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 like that, you know. And um, and the guys apparently came out. We're not sure if it's if it's actually the real guy or not. But he's came out and apologised online, saying that he he had a long day and it was it was it was born from frustration essentially. Uh, what's your what's your take on whether the performance is a disgrace? Naturally, it wasn't. I just wanted to get your point of view, uh, but I've just answered that for you. And what do you make of um, of Trippier's reaction? I think it's disappointment more than a disgrace. I think we all know why we're not playing at our best. Uh, I think the, the 
the reality is that injuries and the number of games have caught up to us. Uh, and I think if you're if you're a fan and you can't see that, then you know you, it's certainly not for a lack of trying on the player's part. And I think that's what Trippier was trying to get through to this to this fan was like, you know, you you can see us trying. You know, do you not think we care? Because we clearly do. And you can see Trippier really cares about winning with this football club, and Bruno does, and all these players are so invested and they've done so so much. Now I'm not saying that that result and that performance was acceptable because it wasn't. And I think Eddie Howe's completely right in terms of what he's been saying. Um, but to single players out, when they've come back out to, to applaud the away fans, yes, look, we're, we're all disappointed. Um, I mean, he's had an, a late night on a, on a Saturday night for his game. I got up at 3.30 in the morning to watch it. I, I know who's got, got, got the, the worst end of the stick on that deal. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's like these games will happen. It's like nobody was complaining when we got a win against Arsenal. Nobody was complaining when we won 8-0 against Sheffield United or hammered Aston Villa in the first game of the season. Um, when we beat PSG 4-1 at home. You know, we've had great results this season. So we are a good team. We are a good team. Um, but we are suffering with a lot of injuries, a lot of fatigue. And I think it's mental as much as physical, as we, as we said earlier. Um... I think the fan was out of order. Um, fair play to him for owning up to it, though, and apologizing straight away. Um, I think that's. I think he knows he's made a mistake in the heat of the moment, and it's probably been after. A, I think I, I posted something on socials where you know look, it's it's probably one of those heat of the moment things. He's disappointed. He's probably had a few beers pre-match, and he's a little bit pissed up by that by that stage, and he's said something that he regrets straight away. Um, he's probably realized when Trippier's had a go back at him, it's like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm probably out of order here. Or his mates have pulled him to one side and said, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. My my big thing is, and, and this is probably a, 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 a cry to all Newcastle United fans that are going home or away or that meet the players, don't make us one of those clubs. The media are so desperate for us to to mess up and, and to give them something negative to write about us. It's been such a, a meteoric rise to success. We've done so, so well in such a short period of time. And while I've seen, I've seen people on social media say that, you know, we can't just accept bad results because it's still, it's not Ashley anymore, um, which is fair. You know, you're, you're happy and you're completely entitled to be disappointed with that game. And I was as well, you know, but there's a line and I think, having a go at the players who are leaving everything out on that pitch and they're putting their bodies on the line, obviously, because everyone's falling down like flies at the moment. You know, it's not for lack of effort. It's not for lack of passion and it's not for lack of caring about the club. So don't make us look like knackers, you know, make sure that you, you represent the club as much as the, as the, the players do. Um, and don't give the media any easy targets um, to kind of, because what's actually happened now is you've got TalkSport, you've got BBC, you've got Sky, all of these outlets, all these like sort of tabloid journalists who are all now using this as a stick to beat Newcastle United as a football club and as a fan base um, through one fan doing something a bit stupid. So, you know, yes, we can all feel a little bit crappy in the heat of the moment, but, you know, count to five, count to 10, you know, take a chill pill. And then, you know, be disappointed, but don't for one second believe that these players are not giving everything because they certainly are. Well Sorry, said, Mark. Rant, what rant I, over. <laughs> no, no, that's 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 what's that's well said. That's that's very well said. And that, what I'll add to that is that 
every fan at every club has a goal at every player at some point or other. We've all been in the in the stands. We've all said, ah, you usually it'll be Shola. Ah, Shola, you <laughs> shit. You know, do you you're six foot four, but when you jump, you're four foot six. You know, someone was once said in the crowd next to me. Uh it always it it's a, it's part and parcel of being a, a supporter in a football ground. You have a go at the players. I'm actually quite interested to see the players snapping back though. I, I wonder if that's a little window into the into the 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 stress that they're going through in the yeah. you know in the in the mental um pressure that they're under because they're all public players here everyone's watching them tens of thousands around the world hundreds of thousands are watching these guys do the things and everything that they do is getting overanalyzed and you know slow motion and bloody reverse motion and upside down motion and watching the bloody hairs on the back ch change direction and see if that was a handball or whatever um and this time trips has uncharacteristically uncharacteristically came to the crowd and had a snap back so i, I do wonder if that's a little sign that uh, certainly with Trippier he's starting to feel the strain a little bit and maybe as you've said getting away on the national duty will allow him to have a little bit of a reset a little bit um, for me I, I'm because we we know that Bruno had that tweet as well where he had a pop Which back is, at yeah. The, at, yeah and it's, it's that it's uh, it's kind of like they, they're walking that fine line I think where the players are so passionate about playing for this club and doing well they're desperate to win something for us as fans that it probably does sting when they get like undue criticism um, from from certain fans, where you know the players are probably going, "Well, what more do you want us to do? We're like we're bleeding like out of our eyeballs here, like to try and win games. It's like not a lack of effort. You know, we can't win every game all the time. We can't have like these absolute eight nil like whitewashes of teams against everyone. You know, it's like it's not possible." Um, you know, as good as Man City are, then you know they're missing a couple of key players, and and they're getting some dodgy results as well. So to me, it it, it is it is kind of like that. Maybe it's a mental pressure on the players because things are a bit tough at the moment. Maybe it's just that their passion to do well, and they're they're giving everything for the cause, and it's it stings them a little bit when fans criticize their their effort and their passion because they're they're obviously putting everything in. And I think we've got this like almost this all for one, one for all mentality at the club since the takeover, where everyone's been in it against against the world. It's us against the world, and the players almost seem to have bought into that um, to a certain degree, where they're like this family and everyone's in it together. And, and, you know, it probably hurts somebody if they're seeing somebody else getting criticized or, you know, we know that everyone's giving their all, why are you having a go at us? So, yeah, I, I think it's probably like a, a mixture of, you know, the, the fans probably overstepping the mark, the players showing their passion and probably stinging a little bit when they get criticism, criticism from, from fans when they are giving their all and they're desperate to, to, to put those performances in. Yeah, and I wonder if there's a, a. I mean, we'll just we'll finish it here. But I just I wonder as well if there's a little bit of fan fatigue. You know, there's been there's been away games into into Europe. The, we've just came on, on off the back of a defeat from Dortmund. Um, you know, a long long time for everyone to get absolutely shitted in that game, and the atmosphere from the away fans uh, reflected that. In the end, there was very little coming out of the away fans. Although it could have also been that bloody drum that they have at Dortmund that also silenced the home fans in, in Newcastle at St James's. But then that was a late kickoff as well. So you wonder: um, is there a bit of fatigue? It was another long journey down. There's lots of plenty of time to get absolutely shitted. 
Um, and I'm trying, I'm, I'm not making excuses here because there's no way that, that you could describe any performance from an Eddie Howe team with all those players as being a disgrace. Disappointing, uh, yes. Frustrating, yes. absolutely. Yes. Um, but a disgrace, a disgrace implies that people aren't trying. And as you've just said quite well there, uh, they are trying. Their body parts are falling off <laughs> trying to win games here. Uh, yeah. they, they are passionate. They're professionals. They want to do well at this club as much as we want them to do well. So I think... You know, a little bit of uh, wind your neck in at times would be uh, called for. Uh, and I'll just finish off with uh, a bit of management, crowd management, I suppose, from Eddie Howe in his post-match, where he offered an apology to the fans because he said it wasn't good enough. Now, I think we can all say to Eddie Howe that, and he's a big fan of this podcast, we know he watches, uh, that you have absolutely nothing to apologise, Eddie Howe. No. This team is, no. is doing us proud. We are proud to have you as our manager. We're proud of all the players to be in the black and white. And there's absolutely nothing to apologize for. It was one of those days you've got like four people to pick from and three of them are goalkeepers. What do you expect to come from these games? You know, it's it's basically the way it is. Um, so keep on going, lads, and uh, we'll support you ever more. Um, all right, Mark, I think we'll leave it there. A disappointing day, day down on the uh, South Coast, a bad day at the office, let's call it. And uh, hopefully we'll get some fresh bodies back for the game against Chelsea on the 25th of November at St. James's Park. But for now, that will do for us. Thanks for everyone who's watched and listened. Thanks to you, Mark. And we will see you for the next one. Cheers, mate. Catch you next time.